a missionary offering. Hallelujah. You just kicked the devil in the teeth right then. Amen. That's some new fruit. Thank you, all three of you, but it's some new fruit. I'm happy, 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 happy. I, I want to share the Word of God with you today, though, so I'm, I'm going to, sorry for cutting preliminary short, but I, I want to share something I believe God's put in my heart for you. And if you'll turn with me to the book of uh, Matthew, the 13th chapter, I want to talk to you about a subject I'm calling the tares and the wheat. The tares and the wheat. This Do not confuse this with the sower that went to sow the word. A lot of people confuse these two stories, but uh, this is a second story that Jesus told about a sower that was sowing, but it was, it was different contrast, different subject matter. And so let, let, me, let me read to you from Matthew, the 13th chapter, verse 24. Jesus put forth another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man, excuse my voice, who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest when you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them into bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Father, I pray today that you help me to be able to communicate truth in a very clear, concise way so that we can all understand what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you three main points I want to talk about this morning. First, let's define the terms that we have here with the tares and the wheat. Let's see if we can get this to work. There we go. There we go. The definition of the terms, and you can find this in Matthew, the same chapter, verses 37 through 39, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Jesus is the one that is sowing the good seed here. In the other parable, it's you and I that are sowers going out. But Jesus is the one that's sowing the seed. The field is defined as the world. Not just one part, but the whole world. The good seed are the righteous. And the other one, of course, sowing the seed was a type of the word of God. In this one, it's you and I, the righteous ones. The tares are the unrighteous. And the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. Now, that's a very key phrase there. Keep that one in mind. And the reapers here are not preachers. They are the angels, the angels. So the, this, this is a completely different story that he's talking about. 
and it specifically focuses on the end time. The end time. And I, I understand that can talk about church age, but I really believe, according to this one, something supernatural is going to take place at the end of the harvest. It's been one of my great concerns, having been involved in missions work now for so many years, is that I know that we cannot complete the task the way we have been doing it. People are being born faster than that. They're dying faster than that. So God is going to have to do something supernatural, and I definitely believe that's exactly what he will do. That, I believe, is what this story is all about. Something supernatural that takes place at the end of the age that completely finishes the harvest, that wraps it all up. Okay, let, let me focus now on the difference between the tares and the wheat. That's the, the title of this particular story. It's the harvest that reveals them. In other words, you cannot tell what is tear and what is wheat by just looking at them. I, I have uh, gone to my computer, and that's a picture of tears there. They're just blades of grass is what it looks like, just these long blades. The difference between the wheat, because the wheat looks exactly the same when it's at that stage, is tears don't produce anything. The wheat produces wheat, and it's the harvest that reveals the difference between the two. You can't tell by looking, in other words. Have you ever been shocked or surprised at someone you thought was good wheat, and you discovered they were not so good after all? They produce nothing but trouble. They, you know, just, they, and that, that's what the tares are here. So the distinction is only revealed by the harvest. Now, God knows. Hello. Because God looks at the heart. We, we don't have that privilege. All we can look at is the outward appearance. That's why the only way we can really truly judge people is judge the fruit, because we cannot see the heart. Only God can do that. But the harvest will reveal it. The harvest will make it very clear of what is wheat and what is tares. Now, I notice in what Jesus is saying here, there are three different stages of the harvest. The first stage of the harvest is the time of sowing. And, and that can be not only in the ages, but it also can be in our ministry, planting a new church, all of these different stages. It's the sowing time. The thing that Jesus emphasized in the sowing time was while men slept. In other words, during the sowing time, you've got to be particularly alert to what's being planted in that field, what's taking place there. You've got to be very vigilant. And the truth of it is, many times in those beginning stages, we're not real vigilant because, I mean, we'll welcome anybody on the platform. We're just glad to have somebody there. Hello? Thank you. 
We're just glad that somebody showed up. So we're not so particular about what kind of seed is being sown. And so Jesus emphasized in the beginning stage. I, I remember hearing a gentleman say many years ago that in the formation of an organization are the seeds of its destruction. Now let me repeat that because there's a lot of wisdom in that. In the formation of an organization are the seeds of its destruction. In other words, little things that we overlook, little things we don't pay attention to because after all, you know, we're just glad this thing is growing. We're just glad that it's, you know, something is happening here. But Jesus warned and says, stay alert during this sowing time. Be very particular about the seed that you plant. Because that is what's going to determine what is wheat and what is tares. The second part of the, this harvest season is what I will call the growing season. It's the stage where they now detect tares among the wheat. And so their solution is, let's pull up the tares. Boy, anybody ever been there besides me? I wasted so much time and energy as a young preacher pulling up tares trying to fix things that were not right. Hello. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, they tell about the, the Boy Scout that he was trying to get his badge, his merit, whatever, you know, for uh, being a good scout. And one of the things they had to, uh, was a good deed every day. So he dresses up in his uniform and he goes out and, and he comes back a little bit later. And I tell you, his uniform is all messed up. He's dirty. He, he, he just looks a mess. And his dad said, what happened to you? And the little guy says, I helped the lady across the street. And he said, you helped the lady? Well, why do you look like that? And he said, she didn't want to go. <laughs> Have you ever tried to help somebody that didn't want help? Besides me? Oh, my. Oh. They said, let's go and pull them up. And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. And, and it's twofold. Because if you start pulling them up, you're going to uproot the good wheat. Don't do that. He said, what you need to do is let them both grow together. Now, I'll confess to you, this is a hard thing for me. Because my nature is I'm Mr. Fix-It. Hello. If something, I want to fix it. I, I, I hate crooked pictures hanging on the wall. I just want to walk over there, straighten it up. Let, let, let's fix it. But he said, you're wasting time. Why? Because you could be planting more good seed. You could be doing something that will be productive for the harvest. And rather, we get caught up in trying to straighten out everybody that needs straightening out. And not everybody that needs straightening out wants to be straightened out. And we end up in a big fuss that costs us time and the harvest. Oh, I hope I'm talking to somebody other than just myself. Pulling up 
tares, endangers the wheat. And I think this is one of the areas that we that have old roots need to be very careful. I look at some things and I say, man, I've been there. I've done that. I don't want to go down there anymore. I can remember Dr. Charles Green is, is a spiritual father to me, and, and I'll call him every once in a while, just talk to him about something. And I remember calling him one day, and, and I said to him, Dr. Green, what about so-and-so? And he says, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I said, we, we tried that back in 1954, and it did not work. Now, everybody needs somebody like that in their life, you know, that can say back in 1954. Uh, that, that's, that they, they've already made the mistakes. That, that, see, this is the problem. We run out of time pulling up tares instead of focusing on the harvest, instead of focusing on producing good fruit. And we end up wounding a lot of young Christians, the young shoots that are coming up, because they believe everybody loves them. I love young Christians. I mean, they are so innocent. They're so naive. They, and like I said, they think everybody loves them. They haven't discovered it was Joseph's brothers that sold him as a slave, not the Egyptians, his brothers. And they've never gone through that. Is anybody listening to me? And if we're not careful what we do, we end up injuring the young shoot that's going to produce the new fruit that's going to give us a good harvest because we're trying to fix something that nobody wants fixed. And we end up quarreling with each other. We're not only wasting time, we are injuring the young ones, the young shoots. Well, I sense the Holy Spirit in this building right now. God's talking to us today. Thank God for it. Let me share you something else that I see here. This is what Jesus calls the, the time of reaping the end of the harvest. That's when he's going to send forth the angels, and they're going to start removing the tares. As I said, it's the harvest that reveals what is wheat, what are tares. We can't tell the difference by looking. Only thing that reveals it is the harvest, because wheat produces a harvest of good grain. Tares produce nothing. Tares simply are taking up good resources. You spend a lot of time and energy with them, and all you pastors have discovered this. The Apostle Paul said it, and if it happened to him, we shouldn't be surprised that it happens to us. The more I love the less I be loved. And the person that you spent the most time in your church trying to help was the first one that walked out on you. Are you listening? It's a principle. And it happens to every one of us. The more I love, the less I be loved. In other words, the child that you spoil is the one that will grow up to break your heart. Haven't we all seen that? It happens in the church. And so this thing of harvest is where we got to focus. And if it's not producing fruit, then why are we doing that? 
if, if it's just become a problem, but, but everybody likes it. I, I was talking to a young pastor, and he was telling me how this church had grown. The building was full, and he said, on Sunday morning, he said, we come in, and we don't even have a place for all the adults to sit down. He said, and, and I said, well, describe it to me. He said, well, we bring everybody in. The children all gather up the front, and they sing two or three songs, and then they go to their classes. And I looked at him and said, why are you doing that? And he looked at me like I had fell out of a tree or something. What do you mean? He said, everybody likes it. Everybody. I thought you said that not everybody had a seat. When, oh, yeah, they're, they're not room for everybody to sit down. After Finally, after the children leave, they, 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 then, then the adults find a place. That, Why are you doing that? See, that worked good when they were starting out. It worked good when the building is half filled. But now that the building is full, why don't you send those children to their classes? Why do you bring them in? Everybody likes it. Yeah, yeah, but it's become a problem. Why are you doing that? And I believe everything that we do in our lives has got to be gauged by this. Is it producing fruit? Is it producing a harvest? If it's not, why are you doing that? Now, Jesus defines tares by two different statements. He first of all calls them things that offend. And secondly, those that practice lawlessness. He, that is his definition of what a tear is. Things that offend, that, that speaks about our relationships with others. Things that offend are things that are simply offensive. In other words, if you got bad breath, why don't you eat a mint? You know, why would you be offensive? Do something to fix it. Things that offend in our relationship. And, and, and see, this, this is one of the things I don't like about me. I, I know I come on too strong. I, I, I'm sorry about that. I, I, I wish I could be more a gentleman. But I, I become so passionate, so caught up in this that I know I come across too strong at times. As my daughters tell me, Dad, you yell too much when you preach. I know what they're saying. I know what they're talking about. And, and what I've got to do, I have to do everything I can to try to, as I tell them, if you knew the fire that burns inside of me, you'd be surprised I don't yell all the time because the, the, the passion that is there. But what I'm saying is if we're doing things that are offensive, if we're doing things that are not working, if we're doing things that are not productive, then why don't we change? In our relationship with others, things that offend. The way we treat others ultimately is going to determine the harvest, how fruitful we are going to be. I prayed it for years. God, make me a gentleman because there's a lot of preachers, but there are not a lot of Christian gentlemen. Real quiet right then. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry to be rushing through this, but I want to cover all my material here. Romans, the 12th chapter and verse 18 is where Paul said, 
live at peace with all men, especially those that are the household of faith. Now, why would he put that especially in when he's talking about the church, about believers? Because he knows people. He knows us. And if we're not careful, we become offensive to one another. And by becoming offensive, we're not being fruitful. We're not being productive. Lawlessness. Oh, my, my, my. This word lawlessness, or the old King James called it iniquity, it simply comes from a Greek word that means without law. No law. No law. In other words, these people are not under authority. He is saying here, lawlessness will keep you from being fruitful. It continues to amaze me how many ministers are not in submission to anyone. Are you listening? And it's not a denominational problem. It's a human problem that we have. Submission is simply what you make it. Just because you say you are a Member of CMI does not mean you are submissive to the leadership of CMI. Amen. It's, it's your attitude. Who is it that is your pastor? See, everybody needs an, a, a pastor. Uh, Brother Dennis was very kind a few moments ago. He, he was talking about, you know, me being here. Well, why not? You had a prayer meeting this morning. I, I want to talk to him. That's, that's the main reason I come. I want to talk to him. And I not only need to do that by myself, I need to do that with others. And so since the leadership is saying that, this is not a Dale Yurton show. This is not to see how good I can preach or what I... And no, 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 no. It's about fruitfulness. Are we producing fruit? Or are we just a blade of grass waving in the wind? Tares and wheat. I want to be wheat. I want to produce as much fruit as I possibly can. Oh, God help us. Lawlessness. I've seen it. You've seen it. It's one of the biggest problems we have. You will never know if you're under authority until the authority disagrees with you. As long as they're in agreement with you. I said this to my son-in-law a few years ago. We were attempting to plant a church in a certain place. And our spiritual authority said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I, I don't think we should do that right now. And so I said to my son-in-law, now we're going to find out if we're truly under authority or if we just talk about it, preach about it. Everybody wants to talk about it. But the only time that you will discover if you're under authority, and I'm not talking about sinful things here, I'm talking about submission to leadership. Are you truly following or do you have the attitude the prophet talked about, those that turn the shoulder and turn away the head? You've seen children do that, that their mama or their daddy asks them to do something, they pull away. I see so many preachers like that. No wonder the babies act like that. They got it from us. This lawlessness. 
Oh, my. I, I've got to get off of that because I could preach a whole sermon there. But I remember, I remember years ago reading a book by Bob Mumford. If you can find it anywhere, it's worth your read. I'm sure it's out of print now, but it was simply called The Problem of Doing Your Own Thing. I cried my way through that book. I wept and I cried because I realized for the first time, I'm an evangelist. I've been preaching for years. I'm a missionary, but I'm full of iniquity. I'm not in submission to anyone. Wow. Let me give you the third point that I want to talk The third point is what I'm going to call the dynamic ministry of angels. The angels get involved in this. And there was two things that he said. Now, again, this is the end of the age. At the end of the age, something supernatural is going to take place. He says, the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. In other words, something dynamic takes place here at the end of the age. You, you are Bible students, Bible scholars. Which book in the Bible talks more about angels than any other book in the Bible? That's right. It's the book of Revelation. And it's not just a few times. It's multiple times. The book of Revelation is filled with all kinds of angelic activity taking place just continually, not just in the heavens here on earth. It's just constant. And so Jesus is referring to this same phenomena when he says, at the end of the age, I will say to the reapers. Now, th this always puzzled me because I, I, I know that we as preachers have been given the responsibility of preaching the gospel what are the angels supposed to do? What is their job? I believe that the angels basically are involved in two tasks here. Number one, they are responsible to remove the tares. It's not our responsibility to do it. It's the angels' responsibility. And when this became a revelation to me, and I, I won't call the name of the preacher. I don't think it's... it's fair. But just a few years ago, there was an incident that happened that it really shook me, shook me to my core of an international ministry that suddenly, bam, he is exposed for what he is doing. And uh, I, w I mean, it shook me to my core because I so highly respected him. And I'm, I'm praying and seeking God. And, and like we tend to do, we blame it all on the devil. Hello. I, I, I can remember coming home from Mexico. I'd been grieving for a week over this terrible, terrible tragedy. And um, I, I'm the type of person that I usually, you know, I, I sleep soundly. I wake up by degrees, you know, just one little and then a little more. And then, uh, but, but oh, this, this, it was a Saturday. No, excuse me. It was Sunday morning. Sunday morning, we got in on Saturday. And I can still remember it. And uh, I, I, the first thing I recall hearing was 
a bird just outside my window just singing its heart out. Just, I mean, just, you know how birds can do, just her beautiful little song, and she is singing her heart out. And this voice that I recognized immediately said to me, somebody forgot to tell the birds. Boy, I knew exactly what he meant. I'm grieving, grieving over this minister. And, and uh, man, I, I sat straight up in that bed through the curtains by looking out. The sun is shining beautifully. Flowers are beginning to bloom and the birds are singing. And all of a sudden I realized my God was too small. My devil was too big. Anybody been there? He doesn't say the devil did it. He said, I will send forth my angels to remove everything that offends and those that work lawlessly. Wow, what powerful words. So that is the first thing that they do. These are the people that they look like Christians, they act like Christians, they talk like Christians, but they are tares. They are tares because they are not producing life. They're not producing wheat. And that's what God is interested in. God wants there to be a good harvest. See, this is why he goes on and he talks about there's going to be weeping and wailing when people see themselves cast out of the kingdom. The truth is, everything in our lives will be judged, including our works. What God is looking for, God is looking for fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. This is what Jesus in John, the 15th chapter, talks about. I, I want you to go and bring forth fruit. And then he talked about more fruit. And then much fruit. And finally, fruit that remains. That's what God is interested in. As he says here, some brings forth fruit. Some 60-fold, some 100-fold, some 30. That should be our goal in life as a believer is to produce as much fruit as we possibly can that will not be destroyed. That's our purpose. So I will send forth the angels... And the angels are going to gather out the tares and then they're going to gather the wheat into my barn. God's goal is a good harvest. Now, one of the things I've discovered, I, I was in Istanbul, and, and the, the, I'm just using this as an example because this has happened over and over and over again in the last few years. And uh, this Christian family put on a feast because they were inviting this Muslim family into their home. And I mean, it was a feast. The ladies worked all day that day, just getting everything. It was just a banquet. And uh, they had me there as an international guest. They wanted me to tell my story of my conversion and such. And 
I did, and the, the, the these these were very prominent Muslim people. He was a, a businessman that had like a hundred or more employees that worked for him. She was a medical doctor. I mean, the, the, these are educated people. These are sophisticated. And so they're interacting and asking me questions, and finally this gentleman looks at me and he says, I want you to pray for me, sir, that God would reveal to me the truth because you know as a Muslim, it is very difficult for me to become a Christian. And uh, I said, I, I understand that I'm trying to be very polite, be a gentleman and be nice about it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began speaking to him. And I stopped and I said, sir, I will pray for you. But I've got to tell you what the Holy Spirit just told me about you. He has already been talking to you. Boy, his eyes got big. I mean, just, and he starts saying, that's true. That's true. I've been having these dreams. See, I can't give people dreams. I might give them a nightmare, but I can't give them dreams. But, uh, you can't give people dreams, but angels can give them dreams. The angels are involved, and every time I go, I'm hearing story after story after story like that. What's happening? I believe we're coming into the end of the harvest. This is not business as usual. Something supernatural is taking place in our world, and he's sending forth the angels as reapers. Wow. Oh, my. That ought to be encouraging to all of us, every one of us, to realize we are coming to the fulfillment of this. This is what Jesus said. Then the righteous shall shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let me conclude by asking you a question. Why would you swing a sickle when you could be driving a combine? It's been several years ago. A good friend of mine, a good friend, is a good man, good preacher, excellent teacher. He came to me tears in his eyes, and he said, God gave me a dream the other night. I dreamed I was in a harvest field, and I had a sickle in my hand, and I'm cutting down the wheat, and I'm tying it into bundles. We've all seen pictures of that, just, just like I showed you there a moment ago. The sickle in his hand, cutting the wheat. And he said, I am enjoying working in this harvest field when suddenly I notice there's a fence. And I look on the other side of the fence, there was this big combine. And you were driving this combine. You're sitting at the wheel. You're grinning ear to ear as you're taking out this huge swath of Gave me these questions. Why would you swing a sickle? Because I know you are working in God's harvest field. I know you're faithful laborers. 
But you saw it just a moment ago when the brother kicked it off by saying, I'll give $100 to drill that well. And then another, 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 another. And within just a few moments, 2,700 had drilled a well in Africa. In other words, together, we can do what we cannot do alone. Together, we trade in our sickle for a combine. <laughs> I'm not interested in sickles anymore. I've swung my share of sickles. Oh, it's one of the things that lets you know the curse is still here. Man, I have sweated, sweated, sweated. Even my socks will be wet when I get through preaching at times. I preach so hard with such passion. I swung my share of sickles. I'm not interested in sickles anymore. I'm interested in combine. The only way we can do that, we've got to do it together. We cannot do it alone. We've got to do it together. Two is stronger than one. A threefold cord. That's the power of a group like CMI. The power is in unity. In unity. When we strengthen each other, we multiply our efforts. We trade the sickle for a combine. God's looking for a harvest. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit, fruit that remains. Father, I preach my heart out. You know, you know, you know, this is my heart cry. I want a combine. A combine, give me the keys to a combine, oh God. I'm not interested in what I can do. I'm interested in what I can influence others to do. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you help us. I don't want I don't want to be tear. I don't want to live and die and all I did was eat a Big Mac and have some French fries. Oh God, no. I want souls, souls, souls for your kingdom. Jesus, it's not just business as usual. Something supernatural is happening in our world. Something is taking place. Visions, dreams, it's happening all around us. Help us, oh God, help us to understand this is the time of the harvest. I want to close with a prayer, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of commitment. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know you love God with all your heart. Many of you walked away from everything just to follow Jesus. But I believe today it's time to re-enlist. Try it. Time to up the ante again. And if you want to drive a combine, get to your feet right now. Get to your feet right now. God moves quickly for those that move quickly. Now I want us to lift up our voice and pray together. I want you to tell God what you mean by being on your feet. I want you to talk to him right now. Oh God, oh God, oh God, help us. Help us. It is so easy, so easy to get caught up in activity that produces nothing, nothing. After all the sweat, after all the work, after all we invest, we don't have anything to show for it. I pray that you give us a combine, a combine today. 
Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus! Help us, help us, help us to learn to work together in harmony and unity. Help us to get rid of all those things that are offensive. To get rid of the offensive things so we can have a harvest. Help us, oh God, to submit ourselves. Where do I fit in best? How can I serve? Oh, Jesus. Oh, I don't want any iniquity in me. No lawlessness. Not my will. Let yours be done. Oh, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Let's pray in the Spirit. Blessed be the Lord. You've got to agree with me that we've heard the Lord this morning. To use Dr. Robles, that message was pregnant with individual words for us personally, for us corporately as a body 